Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. All right. Welcome back, guys, to another episode, episode 38 of the Tactical Yanks podcast. I'm Pete Douthit, your co-host, and I'm back, back from my trip. I was in Germany. I was in Switzerland. I took some time away from everything. I mean, I couldn't quite take too much time off because the whole GeoGate saga rumbled on while I was trying to enjoy my holiday, uh, but I was able to take a lot of time off, and I'm back now, and uh, good to see you, man. How was your New Year, Christmas, holidays? It was great, but I missed doing this. I feel like we... We worked a lot together during the World Cup, and then all of a sudden, we just like away for three weeks. We're not talking much about. I mean, I, I still got my content back before you because I was back from vacation a bit before you did. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad we're back here to discuss some topics. We're gonna try to ramp up some weeks and get two episodes sometimes, right? Yeah. Um, we've, by the way, spoiler alert for everyone. We thought of a few topics here. We, me and P, were just talking about soccer, and there were a few topics we disagreed. Yeah. We're not going to talk about them in this episode, but that's where we're going to try to do extra content. When we're randomly talking and we think of a topic we disagree, we'll put it on a podcast so everyone can enjoy. But in regards to my New Year's, it was fun. I was here in Orlando. Um, maybe I didn't enjoy it as much as you. You were traveling. It's always better. Yeah. Um, how was Germany, by the way? Germany was very – it wasn't actually so cold. They were having kind of a warm front. Um, so we didn't get snow. We got rain. So it was very gray and very like rainy, um, but it was more like you couldn't. Winter's not the best time in Europe to go exploring, so it was mostly spending time with you know my girlfriend's family and her friends. And then I went uh, to Switzerland. We went up to Davos where they hold the World Economic Forum. That was the only place we could find snow, so we went up there. It was really fun. It was a so great wait, 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 wait. You were in Davos. I was in Davos. Yes. So you're part of these elites with the conspiracy and everything. Tack, you will have nothing and you will be happy. That's I already all I have, have nothing. I already have nothing <laughs> and I'm not happy. So continue being, <laughs> continue having nothing and being happy. Okay. The, this is new here. Pete, Pete was at Davos. Um, it was fun, dude. It was beautiful. I'm not into conspiracies here, but <laughs> there's something going on there. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe I was there with Rocco and we were plotting our takeover of the world. Or maybe you were there with Mr. Klaus Schwab. <laughs> oh no! Shh, You're not supposed to tell people about that part. Okay, that guy. That guy. We don't have to. We don't need to bring all that negativity here. Let's talk about soccer because we want to talk about soccer today. And for today's podcast, we're going to talk about a few transfer rumors going on with U.S. men's national team players. After all, we are in the winter transfer window, right? Mm -hmm. And Chelsea has already spent like three billion dollars in in every single signing possible. We'll talk about I that know. in a second. And then on part two of this episode, we'll talk about the January camp, about whether or not it's still relevant, if it should even exist. Yeah. And since it does exist, we'll also go through maybe five or four players that we'd like to see there. Since it exists anyway, why not? Right. Um, but before we get to the transfer talk, th thank you everyone for tuning back in. And don't forget to drop a review if you're new here. Okay. Drop a review, whatever place you're watching this, Apple, Spotify, um, illegally. I don't know, wherever you're watching it. I think the only place they can actually leave reviews is Apple. 
like iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Spotify doesn't have a review system, but you can leave a rating. So at least do that if you're listening on Spotify or Stitcher or Google Google Podcasts, Google Play, whatever. Mm-hmm. All right. So why don't we start the transfer talk? Because no transfers have happened uh, mm-hmm. as of now when we're recording this. But there's a lot of rumors floating around. Uh, out of the, f- we're going to mention four. Out of the four, probably just one of them will probably happen in the winter transfer window. But mm-hmm. it seems very likely that all four could happen by the summer. Why mm-hmm. don't we start with the one that is very likely to happen during the winter, and that is Conrad de la Fuente. That kind of fa- fa- has fallen off quite a bit. Yeah, he's in a weird place. I mean, I we were talking earlier, and I compared Conrad to Diego Lainez's traje- trajectory. Mm-hmm. Um, just sort of not really delivering. Both of them have talent. We know this, uh, but they're not really being able to produce at a good level. Uh, in Conrad's case, he was loaned out to Olympiacos and did not play many minutes there. Turns out there was it was more than just about quality, right? It was more than just about him as a player. Well, they they have a limit of how many foreign players they can register. When he signed, they didn't have Hamez and Marcelo, and then they signed yeah. Hamez and Marcelo, and apparently they had a put one foreign player out. I don't know exactly the details of how many they can have or how many they do have, but it was kind of like a situation that I think um, Tyler Boyd was put on with Besiktas a while back, remember? And then they they couldn't play him, and then he just didn't play for six months. They loaned him. So they did that, and Conrad couldn't play, and Olympique Marseille wasn't happy. I believe they're recalling him from loan, or they already have, but they want to loan him out. And the big rumor here is that David Wagner from Norwich, the American manager, Josh Sargent, right? They all play for Norwich. Norwich is interested in taking Conrad on a loan. Yeah. Um, So I think that's really interesting because Norwich kind of only has two real wingers on their team right now. That's Onil Hernandez and Daniel Sinani, which is why Josh Sargent has been playing wide. So bringing Conrad in would not only afford Sargent more opportunities to play centrally, whether it's as a forward or whether it's behind Timu Puki uh, as like a second forward slash 10. Uh, but I think it would be good for uh, for Conrad as well because Conrad's big problem is not a lack of talent. It's a professionalism and deci- like it's a lot of it's decision-making in the final third, right? He'll do all the right things. Very skillful, very technical, can beat players 1v1. And then in the final third, he tends to over-dribble. Um, and, you know, just his decision-making, his crossing – his sort of team play is what's suffering right now. I kind of hope that, you know, an environment like Norwich will be good for him. Um, he's definitely a threat in terms of like winning free kicks and set pieces. He's a very difficult guy to, to play against. Um, so I like this move, but there's no really any way to know for sure how successful it's going to be. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think this is the last move before he maybe accepts that he should try MLS. Uh uh, by last move, I mean like maybe a full season in Norwich, not just six months. But I like the move. So I know many people are questioning that he was going to move from Greece to the championship. So he's moving up in terms of the league. But he already showed us that he is capable of causing trouble in France. Right? Yeah. He had a moment there in Olympique Marseille early last season that he was actually effective. And he started for Sampaoli for a while. Yeah. And then he kind of fell off completely. So 
the championship is below Ligue 1, the French league. So I think he could be effective. I think he could be. I think it's a great opportunity for him. And he probably would have been playing in Greece and getting minutes if they hadn't signed big names like Marcelo, James Rodriguez. Like when you sign Marcelo and James in that league, they're going to have yeah. to play. Yeah, uh, I think that context is important when evaluating his time in Greece. I think it's easy to say, oh, yeah, he flamed out in Greece. So he's probably not very good. The other thing I think we need to remember with young players is sometimes there's some immaturity there with a young player, right? You see the talent that's available, but there's an immaturity in terms of, you know, even we've seen that with Serginho Dest at times. But sometimes if you... A lot. (laughs) A lot. But sometimes if you give up on a player too early, like sometimes with a very talented player, one something clicks in them. I don't know if you've noticed that will happen sometimes. Mm -hmm. Something will click all of a sudden and they're just intensely focused. And that then all of their talent that you know they have kind of comes to the fore in those moments. So that's what I'm kind of hoping for, for for Conrad. Whether that happens now or in two or three years is kind of up to him. I I mean, just to back what you said, I'm not comparing the talent level. Conrad's not going to be at that level, in my opinion. Uh, But Vinicius Jr. is an example of what you just said, right? He Three seasons in Real Madrid, and he just wasn't getting it going. It just wasn't working. Then out of nowhere, he became one of the best wingers in the world. Right. It was like from a flop. He, people were everyone, including myself. I was doubting him. Yeah. And he was more or less being labeled as a flop by everyone almost. And then out of nowhere, boom, best one of the best wingers in the world in, from one season to another. It just clicked. It's not that he just magically improved. It clicked. Not saying Conrad's going to become one of the best wingers of the world, please. But he could still be a USMNT roster player. I can totally see that happening. In terms of technical ability, he has more ability than Brendan Aronson, for example. Doesn't yeah. mean he's a better player, but he has more ability than Brendan Aronson. Yeah, and and wide depth is still kind of an issue for us, right? As if you look at our national team, we've got Tim Weah and Pulisic are really the only pure wingers. Even Pulisic is maybe not a pure winger, right? Aronson can play there. We know Geo can play there, but after those four, the drop off is pretty big to the likes of Jordan Morris or Paul Ariola. So, and Gio, we know he can play there, but he's a 10, to be honest. Um, we don't have that much depth. So Conrad, if he can put it together for Norwich and even help them get promoted, it would be really good for his USMNT chances because we don't have as much depth in wide areas. We have a lot of central midfielders. We don't have a lot of wingers. Yeah, and just to remind everyone, we're talking about this transfer to Norwich. It's not confirmed. It's there's no, it's not even probably in advanced talks. It's just a very strong rumor that negotiations are happening. It could happen. It looks like Olympique Marseille wants to put an obligation to buy clause, and clubs don't want that right now because they're not sure on Conrad. So yeah. that seems to be the problem right now. But I think it's safe to say that Conrad will have a new club by the end of this month. All right? Yeah. The next player is also a winger. Uh, you kind of mentioned him already, Tim Weah. Uh Kind of in a weird spot with Leo because it's been what three seasons or four seasons, whatever that he's three seasons that he's consistently getting minutes. Yeah. Sometimes he starts, sometimes he doesn't. He played as a left back this weekend and he did fine actually as a left back, did just fine. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's a weird situation because when you look at Wea, I do think he's a bit overhyped by a part of the USMNT fan base. Okay. But I also think he's better than what he's being placed on at Leo. I think he can go to a club where he can be a starting right midfielder or right winger and consistently start, put up better numbers. 
with Liu, it kind of seems like he's just one of those role players, and maybe he needs to go somewhere, maybe maybe even downgrade, a, probably downgrade a bit, and consistently play. And and the rumors that have come out, and you're going to have to help me here. One was Everton, the yeah. other was Brighton, Fulham, yeah. and what Sevilla. else? Sevilla. Okay, I'm not he sure would, about the Sevilla one, to be honest. He wouldn't start there, so no, he wouldn't start for Brighton either. No, I think um, Fulham might be his best bet right now. Fulham, he could get more minutes, and they're better than Everton is at the moment. Everton's really poor. Um, yeah, Everton's in the threat of relegation, aren't they? Nineteenth or yeah, I mean, and they and they rejected what fifty million or sixty for Anthony Gordon. <laughs> How do you reject that? I don't. I don't understand. I, I, dude, it's like fifty million for Anthony Gordon. I would tell them, hey, I pay his flight. Just take him. You know what's crazy? If Jesse Marsh had leads in 19th right now, he would have been sacked. But because Frank Lampard is English, I think they're going to give him time. Yeah, and, and because he he played a role on rejecting 50 million for Anthony Gordon. Jesus. <laughs> that that's that that right there is already a fireball offense right there. It's like you had a 50 million or 60, whatever it was, 40, 50, anything above 30 for Anthony Gordon, you take it. You yeah, anything above twenty, honestly, and 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 people are still saying he has ability. He ha yeah, I mean, he has technical ability. Sure. So does Conrad. Do you pay fifty million for Conrad? Yeah. No, no it's, it's, it's as it's a player. Nuts. Anthony Gordon is okay, oh, yeah. um, but but anyhow, Chelsea wanted to pay that much for him for whatever reason. Um, yeah, Wea needs a move. And, and all the teams I mentioned right there. Uh, that are rumored. I don't really like any of those moves. I would say Fulham. I would be okay with it. I don't know if he, I don't think he would start. Um, I'll be okay with Fulham, but I kind of want him to go somewhere where we know he would get consistent minutes. One team I thought about, and he was linked to them over the summer, was Valencia. I think he could start for Valencia. Yeah, Valencia are a mess. Yeah, I think he could start for Valencia. Um, and La Liga is still a very competitive league, better than Liga actually. He'd be moving up a league. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about Wea too. I think because in the World Cup too, when you look back in the World Cup, that goal he scored was a very nice finish, beautiful ball from Pulisic. Yeah. But he didn't really do anything after that. No, no, he was a, he had a very quiet World Cup to be honest. You know, and this is why I was so upset when people were well, upset, but I strongly disagreed with people who were like, "Who is Gio going to start over?" That attack scored three goals in four games. That's stop it was all pretending. Pulisic. Huh? And it was, it was all, all Pulisic. Like, let's stop pretending like Wea was had an amazing World Cup. He didn't. He had a nice goal, and then he kind of disappeared for the rest of the World Cup. So I like Wea. We know the thing about Wea is he's kind of an old-fashioned winger, right? He's one of those guys that in terms of quote verticality, that's Tim Wea. He's, he's going to push that back line with runs in behind, but he isn't the guy who's going to beat players on his own or create on his own. He's a good cog in a machine. Um, he needs to be more effective with his, again, like his crossing, his goal scoring. He needs to be more effective and more efficient and just more consistent with it. I don't think he's consistent enough right now for Leo to keep him um, and to start, or at least to start him on a regular basis. So hear me out on one idea I had. It might not work, but he's got the you – know, Nkunku's going to Chelsea. What if he goes to Leipzig? He's got the athleticism to be a pressing guy. And 
the German league is a little better than the French league, but not by much. Yeah, but Leipzig is a very strong. I don't. I haven't followed Leipzig ever since Tyler left and everything. Yeah. So it's kind of hard for me to give an actual opinion. I'm trying to see here who they have on the wing. Also, I mean, in Kuku, and then they have Poulsen is not really a winger. Andre Silva, Timo Werner, Fosberg, Caden Clark is listed as a Leipzig player at the moment too. <laughs> they don't really have that many wingers, so sure. But I don't know much about Leipzig to give an actual opinion on it. Yeah, they they don't play with pure wide players. That would be the only. I mean, sometimes they play four two three one. Sometimes it's four two two, a four four two, four two two two. I wouldn't hate it. It's just sort of an idea I had with Nkunku leaving. He could be an interesting fit there, but ultimately, Way is gonna ha- wherever he goes. Way is gonna have to be more consistent, right? Because the lack of consistent, the lack of production, consistent production, is kind of what's been benching him. Yeah, but but it's what we talked about just now about the World Cup. He scored a goal, and we needed that goal for sure. Yeah. Um, but he really didn't do anything after that. The whole World Cup, and it it was four games after four four games total, right? Um. So Wea, we don't know. Those are the rumors. Uh, I, I think Wea is one of those. Leo already com- Leo, the coach, I think, or someone in charge of the club. Confirmed that Way is not leaving this winter. And I understand that they still need him, right? He's been yeah. playing minutes. But I think if I'm Way during the summer, I'll be pushing for a transfer and I would try to go for a club where it's my position to lose as I arrive. Yeah. Um, that would probably be the way. The other player is Yunus Musa from Valencia. And this is an interesting one because Musa is 20. Yeah. Right. Just right turned now. 20. Just turned 20. So he's very young. He's starting for Valencia in La Liga. They're not a good team. They're not the worst team in the league either, right? No. So he's getting valuable game time experience. He hasn't really stood out, in my opinion. He's been okay, like not a problem, but doesn't really add much to the team. He's kind of a passenger in that midfield a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. So he's not a problem. He's not like causing them losses, but he's not helping. He's not standing out. And then... When you look at Yunus Musa, you see all these transfer rumors of linking him to Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, Inter Milan, AC Milan, these teams that are massive, some of them competing even in, you know, Champions League titles, uh, Premier League titles. So my thought for Yunus Musa is right now he should probably just stay for Valencia an extra season. And he'll be 21 by the time the other one comes along and see where he stands. Right now, it doesn't look like he's a player that will go to any of these teams I mentioned and get any game time outside of maybe Cups. So, in some ways, I agree with you. But also, sometimes a player is in an environment, and Valencia could be that kind of a club, where maybe it isn't the best spot for your young player to develop. And sometimes, maybe a move is necessary in order... He's not really being pushed at Valencia. Like, no matter how he performs, he starts every game, right? And so it kind of feels like they just don't have a lot of options to really push him, and he can afford to be... And this is my big complaint about Musa: is that, A, he's not goal dangerous, right? And, B, he's just kind of a passenger in midfield on both sides of the ball sometimes. Um, his off-ball movement needs to improve, his movement into space, his demanding for the ball at the right times and try to, like, make things happen to sort of take over a game. That's what I want to see from Musa. We've seen it in one or two games this season. That's it. And maybe there is a place that will 
still have some minutes available, but push him, push him more. And the, the club I was thinking of was Liverpool. And here's why. Mm. James Milner, 37 years old. In the summer, Jordan Henderson will be 33. Thiago Alcantara will be 32. Oxlade Chamberlain will be 30. It's an aging midfield, and it's a midfield that demands a lot of physical aggression. With an old midfield, Klopp's pressing schemes aren't really working as well as they used to be. They have the, the talent up top, but in midfield, it still feels like they're missing a couple of pieces. So I think if Musa were to go to Liverpool, he could go and get more rotational minutes and be pushed. If I had to choose a club in a completely hypothetical situation, because I don't think they would pay the fee that I think they're rumoring that the fee would be 35 million pounds, which is pricey, right? Um, I would probably want him because I want him to go to Brighton because Moises Caicedo is going to leave. That is mm -hmm. done. He's not going past this summer. If I had to pick a team, it would be Musa to replace Moises Caicedo at Brighton. I think he can play that role very well. I think he could actually fight for a starting job. And while he's starting for Brighton, he will probably be also under pressure on a backup that could take his spot. And Brighton is a very competitive team in in, um, in the, the Premier League, and they're a selling club. So they're going to be willing to, as soon as he makes that jump, like Caicedo, like McAllister, they'll be willing to sell him. So I would like a more slow move because I haven't seen him stand out. You might be right. Maybe if he changes the environment, he might just step it up and might just push him further. But it might also be the case that he's not ready for it. Brighton yeah. would be a smaller step in a tougher yeah. league. And they are going to lose a player that plays the position and the role that Yunus Musa is good at. Moises yeah. Caicedo. He could yeah. replace him right away. And he's English. So who knows? He has the English nationality. If I had to choose a club, it would be Brighton. Uh, but there's no rumors that I just made that shit up right now. <laughs> yeah. McAllister's leaving in the summer too, right? Looks like. Very likely, yeah. So if he goes, then wouldn't it make sense for Tim Weah to go to Brighton? McAllister plays very central, right, with them. Um, I, I guess, like, if Trossard leaves. Um, I, I've seen McAllister play very central with them. But, yeah, uh, Weah to Brighton. If they sell a few guys, I can see it being a decent landing spot. He would have to work for it. They're not an easy team to make it to the squad. But, yeah, I mean, if, if they lose McAllister or Trossard or maybe another winger, and Caicedo is definitely gone. There's no way he's staying. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I would like Musa maybe there. If, if I mean, it would save our time too, right? We can watch one game with, with Musa and, and Wei on the same team. Yeah, it would save us a lot of time. Um but yeah, that, that's my thought on Musa. I would still stay an extra season. That's still my thought, unless a club like Brighton pops up, a, a re, or, or Fulham too. Fulham, uh, he could play for. Yeah, Fulham. I mean, I don't think Fulham's not getting relegated. So no, they're they're fighting for like a conference for European spot. spot. Yeah, the conference league. So if it's a Fulham, I'll be fine with that too because he would be playing the Premier League every weekend against a tough team and and pushing himself. So and he would also be landing in the same team as like a Tim Ream. A Rob, yeah, so, at a club that actually values Americans and has yeah. showed many times how much they value Americans. I, I think what I would want for Musa is either stay in Valencia and keep getting some game time in La Liga, and if it is to leave, try to go more towards a mid-table Premier League team where you'll actually compete to start rather than just like be that guy that rotates in. Because Liverpool, they're not going to go with Yunus Musa to win the Champions League, right? If they're going to try to win the Champions League, it's not going to be him. They're probably going to sign someone else. 
Yeah. Um, he would have to make a massive jump to be a Champions League contender central midfielder. So that's what I would probably prefer right now. I don't think he's shown enough. But again, like you said, maybe he changes clubs, playing with better players, better coach. He just makes a jump, right? The guy's playing with a very dysfunctional Valencia side. Then he plays with the U.S. men's national team that plays Burhalter ball. That doesn't help you either. Goes to play under Klopp with some better players. Maybe he just steps it up. I just don't see it right now, and I'd rather be cautious, but you never know. Last player, yeah. Pete. Last player is Christian Pulisic. There's not much to talk about. He's no. not leaving this January. It was already confirmed by Graham Potter. But they have, but he, and, and on top of the fact that he's injured. Um, but now they've brought in Nkunku and they brought in, how do you pronounce Mudric. this guy's name? Mudric, right? Mudric, isn't it? Mudric. 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 Or Mudric. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. The Ukrainian. So I don't. That, that was a weird signing, by the way, the, the whole signing of Mudrik. But we don't need to get into that for that one. I think they paid way too much money for him. I don't even know if all the money is actually going to Shakhtar. But that's yeah, it's thing. a weird one, that one. Yeah. So what I will say is they have Sterling. He's not leaving. He's English. They're not going to let Mason Mount go. No. Um, and then you look at all the fours that are coming. Nkunku is already signed. He's going to arrive during the summer. Yeah. João Félix might get a full transfer during the summer yeah, to Chelsea. See. So, yeah, I, I guess it's time for Pulisic to go. Plus, Pulisic's contract expires in 18 months. So, one year during the summer. So, that is technically the last big transfer window that Chelsea can cash in. Maybe $30 million for him. Like, it'll be yeah. a loss, but less. If they try to sell him on the winter, it's going to be like $10 million or less. No one's going to yeah. want to pay. They're yeah, just going to no take We'll pay. wait until it runs off. So, I think... And I said this on my video too. I think there is a small chance that the Manchester City game might have been Pulisic's last game of Chelsea's jersey. There's a small chance because we don't know how long he's out for. He said a couple months. A couple months means probably two, three, maybe four. If it's three to four, he might not return this season. Then he's probably out, yeah. They might not even want to risk it. Just like keep him healthy so we can sell him during the summer. Um, so – yeah. Pulisic, to me, it's where is he going to go? We don't freaking know. There's been rumors no all idea. over the place. Uh, and people could ask, where do you want him to go? I didn't really think about it right now. We need to see also in the summer how the transfers play out for other teams. Yeah, I would just kind of want him out of England and going to like a La Liga, Serie yeah, A. I don't want him going to like Newcastle or one of these spots. I want him out of England, honestly. Like it's a very physical league. It's not good for him. I, I still hold hope out for Juve. Because uh, I think they need him, but the problem is Juve themselves are such a mess. So it's like I don't know if that's going to work. If if Leao leaves Milan, then maybe there's a chance he could replace Leao. I don't know. It's, there's so much uncertainty. But I think Bayern is still an interesting option for him. I I'm okay with him going to Bayern, even if he doesn't play much, because they'll fix the injuries and they'll like make him big and strong too. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm okay. Like if Pulisic goes to Bayern, becomes just a rotational player, plays. They're still gonna make him big, and they're gonna give him. Remember Robin? They gave him like this thermal thing. Um, they fixed Robin, right? So <laughs> if, if I'm okay with him going to Bayern, just so they can fix him up and then just sell him somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, there's. There's a lot to – I want to push back a little bit on the whole Pulisic. Some people are saying he's injury prone. This is his first injury he's had. I think it was Joe Lowry on Twitter who was like, you can't count on him for the, the national team, which is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Considering the last time he wasn't available for the national team was September 2021. He missed, he missed 
one out of everything we played, he missed one window on World Cup qualifying. That's it. Yeah. And he played all the and other. He was ones. available for the whole World Cup. Yeah, and the friendlies before it, and and in the World one Cup, Nations every, League with us. Every goal we scored in the World Cup was through him. Yeah, ridiculous, ridiculous notion. But He's, yeah, I, I would say this: um, if I'm a Chelsea fan, I would be a bit more frustrated because he misses a lot of Chelsea games due to injuries. Yeah, United States, he's been fairly available to be honest. Yeah. So, I I didn't understand that, but but I guess like a lot of the media guys like Joe Lowry, they they kind of like to they kind of like to attack our best players only. Yeah, especially if you're playing in Europe. If you're playing in MLS, you get a free pass, right? Like Jordan Morris being got out for two years with ACL injuries, well, no problem. What about Poriola? He always has like a pulled hammy. Yeah, no every problem. time. No can, problem. Can, can we not count on Pariola? I mean, yeah, we can't for other reasons. We can't, but for other reasons. <laughs> like it's not really injury the problem, right? The, the problem is like he's just not really good enough. But Pariola is always injured. And and yeah. I never seen him to, oh, we shouldn't call in Ariola. We can't count on him. People forget that the reason Weya stood out for the U.S. men's national team was because Pariola got injured. He was going to start. He got injured in the warm-up. Yeah. And, and against Panama in Orlando – when we beat Panama, he scored in the first half, and he was subbed off at halftime because he felt an injury. Paul Riola. Yeah, he's constantly injured, but we don't, we never talk about that. And no. to be to be honest, I'm fine with that because I don't talk about players that aren't good enough for the national team, and I don't think Paul Ariola is. So Yeah, doesn't matter too much. But before we move on to the January camp to finish off this podcast, and we still have a lot to talk about in regards to that, a quick word from our sponsor, DraftKings. The NFL playoffs picture is locked in, and my go-to place is the wild card round action in DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to the Super Bowl, 57 new customers can bet 57. That's a very weird number right there. 57 new customers can bet $5 to get $200 in free bets. I think it's any new customers, not 57. Right, Pete? So download now DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code TBPN. That is TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get $200 in free bets instantly only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code TBPN. Pete, you're not watching the NFL playoffs, are you? I am not, no. I kind of watched the last few games because I, I bet on a few game, a few matches based on what people told me. Um, okay. The Bengals, the Bills, um, and then today, what's the game today? I think the Buccaneers play today, Tom Brady. But but that's – who cares? Yeah. January. Uh, before we move on, we have a quick um, comment to read, uh, a review on Apple mm. Podcasts from a guy named Larry Eight Low, who says, wonderful soccer banter. I've always loved soccer as a spectator, but Filippo and Pete really got me hooked on the technical and tactical parts of the game. This deeper understanding really gives me much more enjoyment and appreciation – especially the World Cup. Thank you guys for being wonderful guides into the beautiful game. Thanks, Larry. We really appreciate it. And thanks to everybody else who left a review. We have a lot of reviews now on Apple Podcasts, so I'll try to read one every time we do a podcast. But again, ratings and reviews, whatever it is, it really helps because the more we get, the more you know they push the podcast up the sort of list of algorithms and it gets more recommended to people. So thanks to everyone who did that. And now... The January camp. Um, and I'm just exhausted thinking about it almost. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the, here's the first question. Um, should it exist? Should it still have we grown past 
an MLS-based camp? The short answer is yes, we have. In my opinion, we have. 90% of our pool plays in Europe. And the only reason it's 90 and not 100 is because we still give favoritism to too many guys. The January camp is useful as a youth camp, as an under-20, under-23 camp at best. But that's it. Let me add one thing to that, too. It's not really just about... So let me put it this way. What you said is right and is true, but another thing to take into consideration is who we're facing. We're facing a Serbia B or C team. They're not sending their best. Colombia too, their B or C team. They're also not sending their best. So even if we have players in MLS that could be useful, because we're going to talk about five players we want to see there, and these are players that are relevant to watch out. Even if they play well, against a Serbia B or C team or Colombia C team, whatever, like that Bosnia friendly we had yeah. in 2021, you don't learn anything from it. it there, there's nothing to take out of it. Yeah. So the best thing is to bring in U20 players or U20 right. young players and just get them accustomed to what a national team camp is or, yeah. or, or dual nationals, try to recruit dual nationals. Yeah. Um, that's it. Now there's no point on, on bringing Ariola. No, even Jesus Ferreira. No, that's young. No point. No. We've seen. We know what they young. can do. Yeah, we know what they can do. What they can't do. Um, thankfully, though, thankfully, Jordan Morris and Rodan will probably not be there because of the Club World Cup. Yeah. Remember, I told you that them winning the CCL was going to be good for U.S. soccer. Yeah, it was. It was good for MLS too, but even better for U.S. soccer. Yeah, we got rid of Rodan and Morris, at least for one camp, even though it's a useless camp, but we get we don't have to watch them. Yeah, but it's not just a useless camp. In in the Burhalter era, it's also been a dangerous camp because what ends up happening is these guys come in, they get three weeks of face time with the boss. They play well, generally, although not in every case, against a very poor opponent, and that creates a strange bias in the coach's mind about how good they are. It's almost like... Being in January camp gave you an unfair advantage over other players because you got to spend a lot of time with Greg and his PowerPoints. You got to spend a lot of time with the coach, you know, showing off your your vibes. Like it just, there are guys who kept making it into camps after being there in January camp. So actually, it was a detriment to the program. Yeah, but that's all it did was manufacture consent for really poor players who had no business being anywhere near the national team. But that's just when you have a terrible coach also. Right. Now, like, if you don't have, although now we have Anthony Hudson for this camp. Which, which is, is worse, worse, by the way. It's worse, worse than Burhalter. It's crazy. on group of players. So under 20, it's not just about, like you, you said earlier, you know, the point of bringing in under 20s. It's not just about like giving them the feel for a national team camp. It's also giving them the chance to develop chemistry before the under 20 World Cup in May. Because they're not going to get many opportunities to play together. And yeah, not all the under 20s are going to be there. A lot of them are in Europe, but you can still give guys like, you know, Diego Luna, Jack McGlynn, Danny Edelman, Caleb Wiley, uh, Caleb Wiley you know, maybe Chris Brady or Roman Celentano. You can give guys like that an opportunity to play together. Brian Gutierrez against you know, grown Mark. men, even though the ability yes. of Serbia and Colombia might not be up there because it's their B or C team. Right. But they're still going to be grown men. It'll be a tough challenge for the U-20s. And you'd like that. That's good. Yeah. Um, I I just don't. And again, you talked about how like people love to talk about how Jesus scored, what, three goals against El Salvador, Trinidad's B team or whatever. Yeah. That is a problem because when you have a stupid coach 
No offense, yeah. Greg, but offending no, a little bit. No, full on offense. Yeah. Pull on, I, I just pulled in Eric Rinaldo's like no offense, and then just completely shits on 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 Alexi Lalas. <laughs> I've been watching like, that. With no offense, one. Alexi, but I'm about to offend you. <laughs> yeah, um, but but anyhow, um, he should know, right, that they're performing against very weak opposition. But it seems like Greg never took that into consideration, or it was on purpose. So yes, it is a dangerous camp when when the coach doesn't have the right judgment. I don't think we're going to get anything out of this camp. One, because Anthony Hudson is the coach, so it doesn't really matter. Two, he's probably going to bring, based on what we're seeing, like um, Julian Gressel, right? He's going to be in it. Uh, yeah, pointless. Like people pointless were, up in my some opinion. people were pissed about him being it. Some people were hyped about it. I'm indifferent. It doesn't matter. It, yeah, I don't it's care. Just, I don't care. Like he's it, the same care. level as Shaq Moore, DeAndre Yedlin. Like, there's a reason Julian Gressel has been in MLS his entire life. And it's not because he loves America so much. He's German. Like, that's his level. So why are we calling him up? Like, for me, Joe Scally and Serginio Death are number one. he gets assists in MLS. What? He gets assists in MLS. And he won MLS Cup with Atlanta years ago. Sure. He's also been traded down to D.C. And then, down, like, he keeps he's being traded down. He's in Vancouver now, right? Now he's in Vancouver, which is the yeah. worst team in MLS by far. So I just don't. Okay, you call him up. At best, he's he's fighting for third place right back in the squad. At best, right? He's like, I just don't see the point. It's like what you said. I'm not mad. I just don't see the point of it. And then there were rumors that, or confirmation that Sam Rogers was called in, a center back that plays in Norway. Another uh, kind of pointless. Yeah, yeah guys, look, um, I literally cover as many Americans abroad as I can over the weekend, and I never mention him for a reason. So... <laughs> so, like this guy flopped out of MLS guys. You have to like Sam Rogers wasn't good enough for, I think it was either Seattle, Seattle or the Rapids. I think it was the, the Norwegian league is not that good. No, it's not. It's worse than MLS. Yes. It's worse than MLS. And, but people are getting hyped about it. And I'm like, why? Cause he like, scored in Norway. He's, he's a center okay, back. That's always got a few goals. And then you get these Twitter threads. Like, when are we going to, level up our expectations about what it means to get a national team call up. And essentially the only reason he's being called up is because his league hasn't started yet. Like that you're not getting called up because you deserve a spot. It's the same for Julian Gressel. You're getting called up because your league hasn't started yet. If that's the sort of measure of a national team call up, it's kind of a joke. Yeah. Again, um, we move on. We talked about whether it's relevant or not. The camp that we're going to have is not relevant. Not but, as a senior team camp, no. Yeah, it, it's so again, it's not a January camp. It's a youth camp that it should be. We should have more it youth should camp. Be. That's yeah. it, and you can use that to recruit players. Nevertheless, this camp is going to happen. We will cover it. We will watch it. We will try to enjoy it. Hopefully, it's at least enjoyable. At least the games are good. Hopefully, yeah. I hopefully, there's some interesting U20 players to watch. In it. Yeah, and and with that said, why don't we give five names that we want to see there? um yeah for what for whatever reason yeah let's go back and forth you want to start yeah um i'll go with dehuan jones uh i don't think that it will matter how he plays but i do yeah. think that we lack depth on the left back and he can play left back do i think he's the long-term solution no but he's a player i like to see given a look against a tougher opponent it's not going to be in this camp but i guess i'm looking forward to at least seeing his name in the roster to see okay U.S. Soccer is watching him. He might get a chance. Let's see how he does with the Revs this season. He did fall off a little bit, and he got injured, I think, late last season. 
But I guess that would be one play I would like to see the name, just to see that U.S. soccer is at least aware of his existence. Yeah. Uh, I have a similar mindset in terms of building left-back depth, but I want to see Caleb Wiley. Okay. Um, I think he's got a much higher ceiling than Dewan Jones. He's significantly younger than him, and uh, it would be good prep for the Under-20 World Cup. I like Wiley. I don't think he's an extremely technical player, but he does have a good athletic build, and he has decent enough technique to be a contributor or at least to be a backup to A-Rob by the, 20, by the time we hit 2026. So Caleb Wiley is one I'm looking forward to seeing. So still sticking to the left-back position because we really are thin on that one. Yeah. I wanted to try to get Jonathan Gomez here. Mm. He's playing for the B team in Real Sociedad. Maybe try to get him released so he can be part of the camp, Yeah, be near Mikey Varas, and I hope he goes to the U-20 World Cup. And this one is probably entirely for recruiting purposes. Yeah, Jonathan Gomez, that's true. The left back, the Mexican-American left back. Yeah. Uh, my next one is also a depth piece. It's backup for Tyler Adams down the line because that's something we need to continue to develop going into 2026. And in some cases, even looking for a replacement. You know, if like if, if we can find somebody who's better than Tyler Adams, great. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. But I'd like to see Aiden Morris from the Columbus crew. He had a really strong season with Columbus last year. He's got a very good combination of work rate similar to Tyler Adams but also being quite smooth and technical on the ball speed of play is sometimes an issue with him uh when the speed of play picks up a little bit he struggles his reaction speed at times is a little slower than it should be but you know he's also coming off an ACL injury um this was his first year back he's still just 21 so he's still young enough to play in the Olympics um and possibly you know for the senior team down the line so he's another guy like i like him as a prospect a, a six prospect i like him better than danny edelman for example so i want to see him in this camp uh, and then get to see him just how he does for the crew this year yeah if he hadn't had that acl surgery we would probably be talking a bit more about him uh, yeah because he came to light uh in when columbus won mls cup he played in that final with nagby out um and played really well in the 3-0 win over seattle at age i think he was just 18 years old so then he got injured the following it was actually in the CONCACAF Champions League the following year um that he got his you know he tore his ACL so we'll see he may not be end up being anything but I'd like to see him the other one I want to talk about for me my player number three will still be somewhat what you mentioned trying to get like a backup six slash another eight option and that is Alejandro Alvarado from Vizela. He's also part of the youth setup. He was very good for us. He was probably our best player in the tournament that we qualified to the Olympics. And he's mainly playing with Vizela's U21s right now, or the, the youth team, right? Yeah. So if that's the case, maybe you can convince them to release him to play here. If he was playing for Vizela's A team, I would say, no, keep him there. That's the senior squad, Portuguese league. But he's yeah. not really even making the bench right now. So I'd like to see Alejandro Alvarado. Why? Just so he can be around some of the U20 players, continue to build chemistry. We have a World Cup coming up in June, uh, yeah. late May, actually. So yeah. I would bring – and he is a dual national that we need to keep him close. Um, he is eligible to play for Mexico. We want to always keep him close, show him that we care about him. Yeah. And I think there's something there. There's talent in that player. He's still 18. So yeah. Alejandro Alvarado would be my third player. Speaking of dual nats, my third player would be Brandon Vasquez. Um you know, had a breakout year with Cincinnati last year. He's a very interesting player. He's a good combination of big, strong, but also quick and technical. Um, I don't know how good he's going to be long-term. Remember, this is his first breakout season, and he's 24. 
So I don't know how good he's going to be long-term, but in terms of like pure nines, I rate him higher than Jesus Ferreira. And he is a dual nat, like Mex he could play for Mexico. And there really aren't many strikers. Like all of our strikers play in Europe, right? Haji, P. Fox, Sargent, Pepe, most of our guys play in Europe. So I'd like to see Brandon Vasquez in this camp and give him some minutes at the nine and just kind of see what he looks like. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say it too. I, I wouldn't care too much about his performance, but again, it's another player that I want us to show him that, hey, we're watching you and you yeah. might be here soon. Keep playing, keep doing what you did last season. It was his first breakout season in MLS. Yeah. My fourth player is Jackson Yule for a, <laughs> a goodbye tour. Just Stop. have, him come, have a goodbye tour. Bring him in. Bring him Why? in. Why say, does he need a goodbye tour? Well, just to make sure he never comes back. That's the <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. No, no. Let's because your sure gold cup is there. You can always play against Haiti in the gold. Cup yeah. Game. Yeah. Here's the thing too. If we're going to give him a goodbye tour, we need to give one to Zardes, Ariola, Morris, Jonathan Rodon, Lewis. Jonathan Lewis. Um, Will Trapp didn't get one. No, Shaq Moore hasn't gotten one. <laughs> Daniel yet. Lovitz didn't get one. Nick Lima didn't get one. Oh my God. So there's still a few guys that we didn't give it to and we need to give one. Uh, Aaron Long needs one. Aaron Long needs his goodbye in the letter i think the only players that i think will fade away eventually in the cycle but don't deserve a goodbye tour yet from the the greg's favorites are zimmerman and acosta probably yeah those are the last two MLS they're gonna fade away eventually but yeah i'd say fade away after the you know gold cup honestly. yeah probably that so my fourth player will be nico tsakidis from the oh, Player. oh you took one of mine yeah, I figured. He plays a lot like Luca De La Torre, but much younger, right? He was the youngest guy in our U20 CONCACAF championship that we qualified the Olympics. He has ability on the ball, which when it comes yes. to American development of soccer, it's still not as common as you would expect and as you would want. So I like that. Very, very young and was playing well in MLS last season. Uh, bring him in to get chemistry with the players from the U20s to show him that we're with him. He's eligible for Greece, apparently. Someone told me that. He I don't is. know if it matters. But I mean, Sean Sekiris, his dad. Yeah, as a coach. You there, know, so. is the assistant coach of the U20s. So yeah. I doubt very much this kid's going to play for Greece. But uh, it's just to your Luca De La Torre comparison, I would say similar on the ball to Luca De La Torre, but a lot more athletic than Luca yes. De La Torre. Yes. Um, and so I think that he's honestly my like number one prospect I'll be watching in MLS this year. So that was definitely one of mine. If he is not there, my next one will be Roman Celentano. Like with our three best goalkeepers playing in Europe, I don't want to see any more Sean Johnson in the roster. I think we need to be looking at young MLS goalkeepers, right? Actually, I would say our four best keepers are playing in Europe. Gabriel Sonina as well. Mm -hmm. But in MLS, Chris Brady, I'll throw Chris Brady in there too. Like I want to see Roman Celentano and Chris Brady in this camp, not you know, Brad Guzan and Sean Johnson, like the pointless, pointless exercise. Brad Guzan honestly shouldn't even be a professional anymore. Like he shouldn't even be playing at his age. He would been terrible for Atlanta for years now, but he was just on a big, and he tore his Achilles. That injury is horrible. Yeah. But even if he hadn't, like it's a joke that he was still playing for Atlanta when he was so terrible. Do you remember that goal that Mihailovic scored on him that he just like, <laughs> dude, he goes the wrong way. Like on a one. -0. It was like, it's hard to describe here in the podcast, but if you guys could go to YouTube and look up Mihailovic scoring on Brad Guzan, it looked like a Sunday pickup league that you put your drunk uncle on goal, and then that kid that's a little bit more skilled just put the uncle on skates in the most ridiculous way possible. 
He's so bad, dude. But I don't um, think he's obviously he's still recovering from his Achilles. I hope he does. But I don't want to see Sean Johnson anymore, man. I, I want to be looking at Roman Celentano. Uh, guys like that are guys we need to be looking at from MLS. You know, not the old MLS lifer goalkeepers. And you're going to get Sean Johnson. Probably. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm fine if Sean Johnson's your third choice. Like, if you bring Brady, Celentano, and Johnson, and Johnson doesn't see the field, fine. But I don't think that's necessary. Who Who is your fourth? Fourth what? Player. That was my fourth, Celentano. Oh, the goalkeeper. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Celentano. All right, so my last player, the fifth one, is Diego Luna for the vibes, actually. <laughs> I, I'm serious. First, I think he's still going to be a useful player in the U20 World Cup. I still think there's some potential there. But I kind of want to have fun watching these two games. They're worth nothing. I kind of want players that are flashy, that try something. I want to see Diego Luna in this roster, and I want to see him play. I want to see him try something. I want to have fun. And and yeah. since the game is worthless and we're going to get a lot of MLSers, MLS lifers that don't matter, at least play some guys that give us joy. And Diego Luna, I hope to see him there. Yeah. My last one would be Brandon Craig. I think one of our highest ceiling young center backs in MLS at least. So I don't know how much playing time he's going to get at Philadelphia Union this year. They still have, he still has to fight Jack Elliott for a spot. But I'd like to see him against grown men and just see how he looks. And I think it'd be good preparation for the under 20 World Cup where he will start. Um, he's a starter for this U20 team, for my money at least. Um, so, him, shout out also to Josh Winder. I would love, or Josh Winder. I'd love to see him. I think he's another very high ceiling center back prospect, but I don't know if we're going to see him uh, in this camp. He's also much younger, right? Yeah, 18. 17. 17 still, yeah. Still very young. Yeah, he turns 18 during the summer, and then he's going to move to very likely to Portugal. It looks like Benfica yeah. will be his destination. Be but awesome. everyone, this is our first episode of 2023. We are back. We promise we will upload every week, maybe sometimes twice a week, but that one's not a promise, okay? Yeah. The 2026 cycle has started. This is our first episode. I'm happy to be back. Pete, welcome back to America, to the United States of America, since you were abroad for a while. Any Thank final you. thoughts before we close it out here? Yeah, just you mentioned the 2026 cycle. This is the most important cycle in American soccer history. So get, get ready for it. Get psyched. And we're going to keep pushing. We're going to keep growing. I think we're going to get better as a team. We just got to keep an eye on who's going to be the coach now and, and if U.S. soccer decides to screw us over. Um, not according to Herc. He said it's not the most important. He said 94. And I, I Herc, I had a discussion. Yeah, I didn't watch the video. I could probably see arguments for that, but I still disagree. I convinced him, though. I changed him. I, I said before we close, I told him, but Herc, let's switch it up. Let's say that we make it to the semifinals in 2026. And then, and then he said, then soccer will probably explode here. People yeah. will be interested. And then I said, does that make it the most important? He's like, yeah. Then I said, then Herc, it is the most important one then. Exactly. Right. Because 1994, we didn't really have the talent to do any damage. Like, we overachieved by getting out of the group. This yeah. one, getting out of the group is the minimum of the, the minimum of the minimum. Like, anything below that is ultimate failure. Isn't it interesting that we got out of the group in 1994 and there are people still giving Greg Berhalter props for getting out of the group in 2022? Well, because we haven't. They, I guess we didn't improve soccer in this country. I guess it's the 28 same thing. years later. That's still considered an accomplishment mm -hmm. getting out of the group. Hey, and we, we gave Brazil a tougher time in 94 than we did to the Dutch in 2022. Yeah. 
Yeah, we did. And Brazil won the tournament. The well, Dutch lost. We don't have Memphis Depay. If we oh, and, Memphis. and we don't have Alexi anymore. Yeah, damn it. <laughs> okay, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to drop a review if you made it this far. We are back. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Bye-bye.